When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Pie catch up. A series of true stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in water. Based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Arrested Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled One of Our Aircraft. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. In the autumn of 1943, I was instructed to report without delay to an RAF bomber station in East Anglia. I was not told the nature of the mission, but I was told that I must treat it as urgent and important. A car was sent, I was driven to the bomber station, and I reported to the adjutant. Oh, good morning, Colonel. Good morning. Kind of you to come so promptly. Urgent and important to be dealt with discreetly. That's all I've been told. Perhaps you can put me in the picture. Oh, would you like to put your hat over there? Thank you. Well, I'm not fully in the picture myself, Colonel. In fact, it's a matter which, officially, doesn't concern the station commander or myself. At least that's what we've been told. Oh? Well, who does it concern? Well... Well, there's a Dutch bomber squadron on the station. That's why you've been called. I think you should get the facts from the squadron commander himself. I'll ask him to come over. Would you ask Wing Commander Denker to come to my office, please? Yes? Yes, thank you. Now, you can use this room, Colonel. I shall be next door if you should need me. Oh, I'm sorry to turn you out. Oh, that's all right. Oh, and we think it would be better if you didn't move about the station too much. You know, be seen by the flying personnel. Now, I'll arrange to have food sent to you in this room. Oh, and if there's anything else you should want, just phone me and I'll have it sent in. Goodbye. There seemed to be a great deal of mystery about my mission. And even when the Dutch squadron commander arrived, there was a studied reluctance in coming to the point. Come in. Ah, good morning, Colonel. Good morning. I'm Wing Commander Denker. How do you do? And this is Flight Lieutenant Bergen. Morning, sir. Good morning. Uh, well, sir, did you, uh, did you have a pleasant trip down? Yes. Yes, very pleasant. Good, good. Um, I've ordered coffee. It's coming now. Hmm, very kind of it. Now, have you met the, uh, station commander? No. No, I'm told that the reason for my visit here doesn't concern him. At least, not officially. Uh, yes, yes, that is correct. So, can we now come to the point? Ah, here's the coffee. <clears throat> Put it down there, Corporal. Thank you. 
Black or white, sir? Black, sir. Black. Black for you, Bergen? Yes, please, sir. Thank you. Wing Commander, I'm sure you must have a great many things to do to keep you busy, so can't we now come to the reason for my visit, uh, if there is a reason? Yes, sir. Well, uh, sugar? Please. I was told that the matter is both urgent and important, so let's not waste time. Uh, look, I, I'm sorry, sir. The matter's not only urgent, but it's, it's also extremely embarrassing. I reported it directly to our air attaché, and he said I was to do no more until you arrived. You said you could cope. Yes, well, if you'll tell me what has happened... Well, I'm commander of the Dutch bomber squadron here. It's the only one on the station. Bergen here is one of our pilots. Now, I want him to tell you what's been happening. Carry on, Bergen. Yes, sir. Well, it concerns my aircraft, sir. S for sugar. It has a crew of five, all Dutchmen. The navigator, who's also the bomb aimer. The wireless operator, a rear gunner, a mid-gunner, and myself. We've been together as a crew for two years. That is, with the exception of the navigator. Our previous navigator completed his 12 operations three months ago. We had a replacement, a, a chap called Sanval. Well, the fact is, sir, we don't trust him. That's an understatement. We are damn suspicious of him. From the day he came here, he's been needling the aircrews, the younger ones, with talk about the Luftwaffe and how good they are, how brilliant their night fighters are. But surely this is a matter of squadron discipline. It's worse than that. Go on, Bergen. Well, Sanval is a very experienced navigator, sir. And he's older than the rest of us. He's over 30. He was with KLM before the war. On our fourth mission together, he made a serious error in navigation. He took us miles off our course, and we never found our target. It was an important target. On the return journey, we were so far off course that we almost ran out of fuel. No, this is still a matter of discipline. Did you ground him? There was the usual inquiry, but he's a very experienced navigator. He was very convincing. He explained the weather conditions and suggested that the pilot couldn't keep to the course he was setting. So there was no action taken. If you can imagine the feelings of the crew. Bergen's always been a very popular pilot. Well, he behaved himself after that, sir, and things settled down. Then we were given another important target. We reached it, and I went into my bombing run. Now, he's also the bomb aimer, and on that run, he didn't let the bombs go. He said that I should go in again, much lower. Well, I went in lower, but again, he didn't release the bombs. Well, it was a good run in, and I asked him what was wrong. He demanded that we should go in again and that I should keep a steady course much longer. Oh, this was mad, sir. I mean, the flak was very heavy. But it was an important target, so I circled and went in again, right through the flak, as low as it was safe to fly. I waited to see the bombs go, but nothing happened. When we pulled out, he said that the bomb release mechanism had jammed. Hmm. What's in your mind? Twice. His aircraft has failed to bomb an important target in Germany. And twice the aircraft has been in danger. So is he. Yes, but there's a third story. On our last mission, we were attacked by night fighters. In the first attack, a mid-gunner was wounded. I told Van Vaal to attend to him and to take over the gun. He went off to do it. You, you understand that we were ducking and diving all over the place. Well, again, I felt the guns in the rear tower open fire. But there was no support from Van Vaal. Well, it was pretty desperate, and we were ducking all over the place. I asked the wireless officer to see what had happened. When we were out of trouble, he reported to me that he'd found Van Vaal opening the emergency hatch. He was preparing to bail out. Well, Wallace up tipped him on the door and took the parachute from him. What happened this time? That was last night, sir. I've grounded him. It's unofficial at the moment, but he won't fly again with this squadron. I reported the three incidents to the air attaché, and he sent you to deal with it. Hmm. What's his background? Well, here are his papers, Colonel. Now, the point is this. 
Van Vaal was a peacetime navigator. He happened to be in London when the Germans occupied our country, but if he'd been in Holland at the time, I've no doubt that he'd have enlisted in the Luftwaffe. He's always praising them when he's with the air crews. Yes, sir. He says that the Luftwaffe are professionals like himself and that we are just amateurs. He's always talking about the German night fighters and how good they are. You think he tried to bail out into enemy territory to join them? Yes, sir. You're certain of this? He denied it. He says the aircraft was banking and diving and he lost his balance. He says he was holding the lever of the escape hatch to steady himself. What do you say to that, Bergen? I ordered him to man the mid turret. He didn't do it. And the wounded gunner? Did he have anything to say? Yes, sir. He said Franval didn't attend to him. Didn't even speak to him. He must have spent all his time preparing to bail out. You think he was waiting for this opportunity? Yes, sir. Or could it have been that he was scared you'd be shot down and was preparing to be first out? No, sir. He wasn't frightened. He never was. Anyway, a frightened man wants to be with his friends. But you weren't his friends. No, sir. But he wasn't frightened. So it's no longer just a matter of grounding him and dismissing him. No. And the air attaché insists that this must be handled discreetly. It mustn't leak out to the rest of the squadron or to the British air crew. A story like this could do our lads a lot of harm. And if there was an inquiry, it would leak out. Yes, on a station like this, we're all so close together. But I must see him and question him. Um, supposing I was a journalist, a Dutch journalist. Now, I've been sent here to write an article about the Dutch bomber squadron. I've interviewed you, the squadron commander, and I've interviewed a pilot. Well, that should cover us for this meeting. I've also heard that there's a former civil airlines man in the squadron, Van Vaal. Naturally, I'd want to see him and hear his views. Would that do? Yes, I think that would do very well. Um, well, if you'd like to wait here, I'll tell him you'd like to see Right. Thank you. When Van Vaal arrived, I told him that I was a journalist called Peters, and I'd been commissioned to write an article on the Dutch bomber squadron. He expressed a distaste for newspapers, which was not encouraging. He was about 33, medium height, neat, but ostentatious. He was wearing a very expensive wristwatch, a chronometer. But this might be expected of a Civil Airlines navigator. He also had a heavy gold cigarette case and a gold cigarette lighter. He took a cigarette, and as an afterthought, he offered me one. Oh, uh, and a cigarette? Thank you. Thanks. Uh, may I see your cigarette case? Ah. What's the crest? Uh, KLM. Oh, yes, you were with them before the war. Yes. For how long? Uh, four years. As a navigator? Yes. The squadron commander was telling me that, very fortunately, you were in London when Holland was occupied. Uh, yes, we'd flown in the night before, and when the news came through, the plane was grounded. Mm, that was a bit of luck, to escape so easily and be able to fight again. <laughs> I suppose it was. And uh, did you then join the Free Dutch Air Force? Uh, no. No, our crew had more value than that. Uh, the plane was taken over by the Free Dutch government, and we were retained to fly it. Oh, what did you do? Well, we carried government officials, cabinet ministers, VIPs. Uh, later, we were put on to the Lisbon run. Oh, that's a very dangerous run. What did you carry? Uh, VIPs, generals, politicians, males, things like that. Well, I'd like to hear about them. But first, let's talk about operational flying. Now, with your flying experience, what do you think of it? Do you want an honest opinion, or, a, or just something for your newspaper? <laughs> well, of course, the story will have to be censored, but... Let's have the honest opinion first. Well, I don't know much about the RAF, so don't include them. I just don't know about that. But this squadron, it's amateur. Oh? What do you mean by that? Well, not one of them would last an hour with a civil airline, now, would they? Well, that isn't what they're trained for, is it? I mean, sure, it's a different kind of job. 
They are trained to carry bombs to a target, drop them, and try to get safely home. Well, they could still do it efficiently, though, couldn't they? Don't they? A navigator is in the best position to know how efficiently they get to their targets, how efficiently they return to base. Now, look, I can give you the other stuff if you prefer it, all about the intrepid air crews pressing home their attack, hitting the target, unswerving loyalty, unquestioning courage. No, no, I'd rather hear what you have to say. If there's something wrong, I think I can mention it. I think it should be put right. Oh, look, don't quote me on this. You asked my honest opinion, and I've given it. I don't want you to get back so that I've said this to you. I'm only a pilot officer. Yes, so I noticed. Why is that? Oh, don't ask me. They've got my record. I've more flying hours than anyone on the station, and more experience. When I say don't quote me, don't think I haven't mentioned this before. I've said it often enough in the squadron. I just don't want to be quoted in the newspaper. You say you've mentioned this on the squadron? Of course. About the inefficiency. How do they take it? How do you think? I'm unpopular. But I can take that. When you join a new crew, it's always upsetting to them. They think you'll bring them bad luck, especially a young crew. There's so much hero worship. And when you also try to get them to smarten up and be more efficient, well, you're unpopular, aren't you? Well, not necessarily. You have seen the squadron, Commander? Yes. And the young pilot, Bergen? Yes, we talked about the squadron and what it had been doing. Did the squadron commander say you should see me? Well, he told me he had a very experienced officer on the squadron who had been with a civil airline. I thought he was rather proud of it, so I asked if I could have a talk with you, and he had no objection. Because of my experience? Yes, and he did say that you had some ideas on efficiency. Did he also tell you that the young pilot Bergen had had me on a charge twice? No. Well, once on a charge and once on a complaint. Why? Oh, he's young. He doesn't like having an older, more experienced man in the crew. Well, you can't blame him. I don't think I would like it either. What happened? Well, everything said in an aircraft is on intercom. And when I had to point out some mistakes he had made, he got touchy and put me on a charge. But how could he do that? What kind of charge? Well, it was one night when there was heavy cloud and a crosswind. He kept drifting. I gave him a fix whenever I could, but he just didn't seem to be able to keep to them. We got lost and missed the target. We just managed to get home before we ran out of fuel. I was the new boy, and so uh, he had to blame me. He made a charge. Well, I complained, so he had to. But they had my record. Four years with the Civil Airline and my experience on the Lisbon run, and they heard my story, and I was cleared. Look, you asked for my honest opinion on efficiency, and I'm telling you, I'm not a, a death or glory boy, but if you want that kind of story, I can give it to you. No, I'm more interested in this. Um, what was the other charge? Well, this complaint. Oh, that was about bombing. I'm also the bomb aimer. Uh, we were told that it was a very important target, heavily defended, but it had to be hit. When we got there, it was well defended, lots of flak. Uh, I got down in the nose of the plane, but he just raced over the target, and there was no time for accurate aim, so I didn't drop them. I asked him to go in again and to go in lower. He did it, but he kept banking and twisting, and I couldn't get a steady aim, so I didn't drop them. I insisted that he went in again and try to keep a steady course. And he did. But we had so much bucketing about that the release mechanism had jammed. Well, later, the wireless op fixed it, and we dropped the bombs in the North Sea. What was the result of the complaint? The ground crew supported me. I see. Well, thank you. Now, um, when you left civil flying, the Lisbon run, and came into a bomber squadron, did you volunteer? Yes, I was interested. I was reading about the nightly raids in the newspapers. You know, always on target, direct hits, leaving German cities in flames, smashing German industry. I wanted to help. I don't think I'm criticizing for the sake of criticizing. 
Maybe I am a bit too old for it, but I'm used to efficiency. So you make yourself unpopular. I don't mind. Um, when's your next mission? Oh, I don't know. Perhaps tomorrow. You have a high opinion of the Luftwaffe. I am a professional flyer. Did you have much experience of the Luftwaffe on the Lisbon run? <laughs> we usually manage to dodge them or outrun them. Yes. Well, I don't think I'll be able to get much of your criticism into the story. <laughs> it's meant to boost the squadron. But I'll keep it in mind. Now, um, can you tell me about any adventures on the Lisbon run? I'm afraid I haven't very much time. Uh, what do you want to know? Oh, I'm sorry. It's taken so long. Uh, just two more points, and I'll fill in the rest. Age? Uh, 33. And where were you born? Uh, Rotterdam. Well, now, I really must be going. Oh, and remember, uh, no quotes. <laughs> all right. No quotes. I'm sure young Bergen can tell you all about the death and glory side of it. Right. Well, I'll let you see the article before it's published. Yeah, all right. Goodbye. After reporting my impressions to Wing Commander Denker, I returned to London and sent for the flight list on the Lisbon run. I was interested in the two years when Tanvar was on this run and in the flights he'd made. The composition of the air crews had changed a great deal, but I found that one man, a steward named Lasser, had been with Tanvar on nearly every run. I had him traced and brought to my office. Uh, please sit down, Mr. Lasser. Thank you, sir. Well, now, you're a steward. I understand that you've been on the run to Lisbon for the past um, three years. Yes, sir. You're in the employment of the Free Dutch Government. Uh, you know about the Official Secret Act? Yes, sir. I'm going to ask you some questions. I want you to answer them truthfully. But the nature of the questions and the reason for our meeting has not to be discussed outside this room. You understand that? Yes, sir. You must not talk about it. If you do, you may be in serious trouble. You understand? Yes, sir. <laughs> There's no need to be alarmed. I'm going to ask you some questions about someone whom I think you know. A navigator named Tanvar. Yes. Uh, you've flown with him on the Lisbon run. For how long? About two years, sir. Well, tell me about him. What do you want to know, sir? Well, when I last saw Tanvar, he was wearing a very expensive wristwatch. A gold one with a gold band. He had a gold cigarette case and a gold cigarette lighter. Did he have those when he was on the Lisbon run? Yes, sir. Did you know him before the war? Yes. Did he have them before the war? No, sir. Did he buy them in Lisbon? Yes. When? Time to time. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, he bought them at different times. He kept the watch. He needed a good one as a navigator. But sometimes he would sell a cigarette case in London and buy a new one next time out. How many times did he do that? Three times, I think. Hmm. Now, this watch and cigarette case and lighter, what would they cost in Lisbon? Oh, uh, over a hundred pounds, maybe nearer two hundred. Did he have that kind of money to spend before the war? Shouldn't have thought so, sir. Where do you think he got it? I couldn't say. I didn't know him well, just in the aircraft. Did he have any other expensive things? He had a car at the airfield, sports car. It was second-hand, but it must have cost a lot of money. It was a good one. Yes. Did he have any friends in Lisbon? Not that I know of, sir. Could you afford to buy such things? <laughs> no, sir. You know how he managed it? Any idea? No, sir. Smuggling? What could he smuggle into Lisbon that he could get so much money for? I don't know, sir. But there's no need to be so innocent with me. It's a possibility, isn't it? Yes, sir. Well, there was always some talk about it, but it was the other way round. 
So, what other way around? Well, smuggling the stuff in here, Phil. Nylons and lipsticks, things like that. There's nothing here worth taking out. They've got everything they want over there. Yes, well, I'm not concerned with bringing in nylons or lipsticks, so don't be so worried. I just want your help. You were on this run. Did the crew ever talk about this sort of thing? Well, yes, as I told you, sir, they talked about things. For a girlfriend, nylons, a little bottle of perfume. But that was coming this way, sir. Yes, well, I'm talking about the other way. Now, what could you take the other way that could be sold for that kind of money? We wouldn't do that, sir. They were always checking. If you tried that, you'd really be for it. Well, there must have been some talk. I'm only asking for gossip. Now, something small that you could get good money for. Well, diamonds, sir. Industrial diamonds, they're very small. Was this being done? Well, I don't know, sir. I don't think so. Better be very serious. Anything else? Well, uh, I didn't hear any talk about anything else. If you were carrying industrial diamonds, they're very small... How would you carry them? In your clothes, cigarette box, the little ones, little tin ones. Was Sandvall the kind of man who might do this? Well, I don't know. But he was able to buy himself expensive gifts. Yes, sir. And he wasn't able to do this before the war. No, sir. Was he pro-German? I think he was. Why? I don't know. I just think he was. The things he said. What kind of things? Oh, I can't remember, sir. Just little things, remarks that he made. Yes, well, what kind of remarks? Well... You know, the kind of thing, sir. Like the Dutch having more in common with the Germans than with the French. That kind of talk. And that the Germans might win the war? He thought they might, sir. But he didn't go on about it. Just remarks. Did he have any German friends? Oh, I wouldn't know, sir. As I say, I, I only knew him in the aircraft. Yes. All right, Mr. Latter. Thank you. Remember, all this is confidential. Yes, sir. There were some other points to be checked, and then I drove to the bomber station and asked to see Wing Commander Denker and Van Vaal. Good afternoon, Wing Commander. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Peter. You asked to see both of them? Yes. Uh, please sit down, Van Vaal. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I've completed the article, but unfortunately, my editor wants it in rather a hurry. Uh, you, sir, as the squadron commander, will have to approve it, mm -hmm. and I'd promised Mr. Van Vaal that I'd let him see it before it's published. I think it would save time if I read it out and we make the amendments as we go along. Ah, I see. Good idea. Well, it reads like this. I have met many experienced airmen in my time, but I have met few who can equal the peculiar distinctions of a certain quite junior officer in our gallant Dutch Air Force. He was born in a working-class district in Rotterdam, but by diligence and study and ambition, he qualified for and entered into an adventurous career in civil aviation. <laughs> I told you that if you gave me the fact, I'd fill in the rest. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, in time, he became a navigator with a famous airline, and in wartime, continued to service on the dangerous Lisbon run. Not content with such adventures, at the age of 33, he volunteered for service with one of our famous bomber squadrons. What prompts a man to sacrifice good pay and prospects in civil flying, dangerous as it is in wartime, for the increased danger and excitement of the nightly bombing raid? Here is how one of his colleagues described it. Quote, Tanval was always prepared to chance his luck, but I think his luck was running out. He got out of civil aviation in a hurry. What? Some of us knew what he was up to, but he disappeared before we could be sure. But who, who said that? Said what? 
Well, that, what you've just read. Some of us knew what he was up to. I said that. Because I, for one, am quite sure what you are up to. I've been checking on the market for industrial diamonds. But who, who is this man, sir? Sit down, Van Barn, and listen. Who is he? I am from Dutch Security. As I say, I've been checking on the market for industrial diamonds. I find that you can buy them in London at half a crown a carat and sell them in Lisbon at 30 shillings a carat because the Germans are buying them up. You can carry enough in a cigarette tin to make a profit of 100 pounds or more. Very attractive to a man who likes gold cigarette cases and expensive gold lighters. But for the moment, I'm not interested in your smuggling activities. I'm here to consider three allegations against you. Two of the allegations are concerned with the charges which we discussed. An error in navigation, and... I have already been asked about these things. I have explained, I've told you what happened. And for each single incident, your explanation was quite good. But now that we know more about you, the explanations are not so convincing. But I don't see why Sit down, Van Baal, and listen. I believe that if you had been in Holland when the Germans came, you would have joined the Luftwaffe. And you would have served it well. Unfortunately, you were in London. But your job gave you the chance to trade with the enemy. And one day, if you wished, and when you wished, you could disappear in Lisbon and join the Luftwaffe. Unexpectedly, you were put on other duties. You then volunteered for air crews. I don't doubt your courage, but I think you considered the fact that when an aircraft is forced down in enemy territory, or even shot down, the crew are not always killed, sometimes not even injured. First, you tried to lose your aircraft so that it would make a forced landing. Luckily for us, the pilot was a determined young man. Another time, you risked the aircraft by making lower and lower approaches. Finally, you tried to bail out over Germany to join your friends. A very dangerous procedure. But I have no doubt of your intentions. And I can assure you, Van Waal, that you will not be given another opportunity to join your friends. I am putting you under arrest. I am taking you to London. Van Waal, who helped the Germans, who wanted to join them, was convicted and sent to prison for four years. Three weeks later, the aircraft Esper Sugar failed to return from a raid. All of the crew were killed. It was not my idea of justice. You've been listening to Spycatcher with Bernard Archard as Colonel Oreste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr and the program produced for the BBC by Charles Maxwell. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.